Support for Innovation Hub comes from Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, working to unleash the immune system's power to fight cancer and help develop promising new therapies. Videos, white papers, and patient stories are available at discovercarebelieve.org. Support for Innovation Hub comes from Cambridge Savings Bank. Introducing the CSB1 package, a checking account combined with investing through Connect Invest to help you build a better tomorrow. cambridgesavings.com/csb1. Welcome to Innovation Hub. I'm Kara Miller. One of the great ironies of political polarization is that losing in the 2016 election and the angst that that has caused has turned out to be hugely profitable if you're a big time entertainment personality. I am Samantha Bee. Oh my God, thank you so much. Full frontal. Wow, what a week for our poor president. He's been bombing harder than Mike Huckabee at an open mic night. And his Republican friends can't get out the door fast enough. I have a feeling January 20th, 2017 will be the day time travelers go back to to try and save the future. This election hasn't so much appealed to our better angels as it has groped our better angels, mocked their weight, and called them sixes at best. Hollywood, which is famously a left-leaning town, has seen political humor skyrocket in popularity. Michael Schneider is host of KCRW's podcast, The Spinoff, and he's looked at how the president is changing the entertainment industry and whether that shift is different from the kind of partisan divides that we have seen in the past. Michael's also executive editor of IndieWire, and he's former chief content officer for TV Guide. Michael, welcome to the show. Hi there. So... Give me a sense, just sort of big picture of how you think the Trump candidacy um, and now the Trump presidency uh, is changing television. Well, the biggest change probably and the most obvious one is in late night, where you've seen this massive sea change happen relatively fast in that you've got a number of these new hosts who came on in the past couple of years. Uh, Stephen Colbert over at CBS, who took over for David Letterman. Uh, Trevor Noah, uh, now the host of The Daily Show, took over, of course, for Jon Stewart. Samantha B started a new show at uh, TBS. She right. used to be a contributor to The Daily Show. So all these new shows came along in the past year or two. But like any new show, show, uh, they, they kind of struggled in the beginning. A lot of folks trying to figure out their voice. So, you know, fast forward to the past couple of months and, of course, the inauguration of Donald Trump and these hosts are on fire. So uh, let's stick with late night for a minute um, and with Colbert, uh, because he famously struggled. Things were not going well in the ratings. Uh, the head of CBS had to had to meet with him. And um, it was really, in a lot of ways, the election of Donald Trump that kind of helped Colbert find, you know, kind of what he was good at, find success on CBS. And he did it, I think, not by following the old rules that that Leno and that Letterman had followed and not by doing broad comedy for a broad audience, but really by offending a lot of people and, um, you know, obviously winning over a lot of other people. Uh, Isn't that breaking uh, the traditional rules? Well, I think in general, these days, old rules don't apply anywhere, as we've noticed. So that's the one thing. But go back to The Daily Show with Jon Stewart and uh, The Colbert Report with Stephen Colbert. Those were very partisan shows, uh, but yet they were also very successful shows, especially in the younger demographics. Leno and Letterman were much more traditional. They did well with total viewers, with older viewers, but not necessarily with younger viewers as they flocked elsewhere. 
So combine that with the fact that we are living in this really fractured television age where people no longer have to rely just on the traditional broadcast networks to get their entertainment. So audiences have really been sliced down. And so what's considered a success now is much smaller than it used to be mm. uh, because you're dealing with fractured audiences. So Does that mean that Colbert have... in some ways doesn't play by the same rules as Leno because Leno right. and Letterman, they were trying to appeal to the vast sort of, you know, the broad swaths of the country and Colbert can right. win with less. Yeah, exactly. So you can do very well with smaller slice of the audience. But all of these hosts have risen to the occasion. But Colbert in particular was really being trounced over the past year by The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, who, uh, of course, made a name for himself with pop culture parodies. uh, He does a really lighthearted show and was dominating in the ratings uh, ever since he took over for Jay Leno. But there was a change, and there are a number of reasons to sort of point to the change. Of course, Colbert rose to the occasion, but Fallon is really taking it on the chin for something that he did when when uh, Donald Trump was actually Is this the hair thing? Like he ruffled yes. uh, Donald Trump's hair? Who knew that that could have such repercussions? Donald, I, I want to ask you, because the next time I see you, 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 you could be the president of the United States. I just wanted to know if there's something we could do that's just not presidential really or something that that we can do now that we're just both civilians like <laughs> like what this is can I'm, I'm not liking the sound of this <laughs> go ahead can i mess your hair up it was the moment that things changed i think for jimmy fallon and, and he's struggling to still sort of live that down now and at the same time colbert came in with this biting commentary and he's kind of the host that people are looking for now in kind of dealing with things and so we've seen a ratings change. Now, in the young demo, Fallon is still dominating. But mm. in, in overall viewership, Colbert's now ahead. And as we tape this, he has now won 10 weeks in a row, which a year ago would have been astounding. But now that's sort of that's where things are going. How would you contrast the sort of Trump role on TV and how Trump changes TV with other presidents? Because... Nixon was on laughing and, you know, Obama slow jammed the news and, you know, uh, Ronald Reagan was no stranger to TV. Obviously, he had hosted a show. How would you contrast what's happening now with or compare it to what's happened before? Yeah, I think what we saw in the past was, uh, you know, presidents, for the most part, when they showed up on television, it was more in an entertainment capacity. It was, uh, you know, they they were trying to humanize themselves. So it was very much of a, uh, you know, almost a campaign style presence. Uh, What we're seeing with Trump, though, is it involves policy. It involves the news networks. He's very engaged with them. And so you're actually seeing in real time him formulate his policies while interacting with the news networks, Mm. in particular Fox News. We're really in uncharted territory with the Trump administration because we've never seen a president like Trump. I mean, this is a man, by the way, who was created by television. That's the the big irony of all of this. Yeah, that is. This is someone who a lot of these hosts have spent a lot of time with. You know, he sat on their couches, Mm -hmm. but also back when Donald Trump was host of The Apprentice, he was at media events. He was regularly on panels at press tours. You know, he was a TV star. So there's also this awkwardness of this is a man who was created by reality TV, by the very medium who is now sort of uh, mocking him and, and criticizing him. They sort of know his tool book, but he knows their tool book. Well, and there's also this sense, as you say, 
that he is engaged with ratings, you know, that he argues with Arnold Schwarzenegger about ratings. I mean, that the things that Hollywood cares about, President Trump cares about, too. Yeah. No, it's funny because I've seen a number of photos when he was uh, still president-elect. Trump invited a lot of people over to Trump Tower, and he was constantly taking photos in front of a wall of pictures. And it was all newspaper clips and magazine clips, Mm. uh, especially about The Apprentice. I kept seeing one big variety front page all about The Apprentice ratings back when it was a juggernaut. And it's like, okay, that's what he cares. That's what's (laughs) on his wall are how great his ratings were for The Apprentice. And and so there's this acknowledgement that this is a television president. This is Mm. what he cares about. He's watching SNL. So when the SNL writers are writing a sketch that involves Trump, in the back of their mind, they know there's a good chance the president is going to watch this. So I don't know if they feel a little more responsibility to what they write and how they write it, but that's got to be pretty heady when you're in that SNL writer's room realizing, okay, whatever we do today may impact the president's view on Saturday or how he looks at Sean Spicer or right, what right. have you. So yeah, I, it's, it's an interesting time. So, as you said, this is obviously a president who used to have a TV career. Um, And I know he used to come to industry events and promote The Apprentice. I wonder, have you ever met him? Have you ever emailed with him? Anything? Yes. Matter of fact, there was a period of time where he was actually out in Hollywood campaigning uh, with reporters in Los Angeles to try to get more press coverage in order to get that elusive Emmy that he really wanted. So about 10 years ago, I was a TV editor at Variety, and he took out a number of reporters from Variety to sit down and basically try to charm us, but also try to you know get an in, get a feel on how he could get that Emmy. I think he thought that just by taking a bunch of reporters from Variety out to lunch, he would be a shoe in for that Emmy that Was it a wanted. nice restaurant? And of course, he never... Um, it was a decent restaurant. Um, and I see. It was, it was fine. He, he bought out mm. the back of the restaurant, brought okay. a, his entourage. I remember him loving the chicken and, and raving about the chicken, which uh, kind of reminds me now of the chocolate cake that he keeps raving about as he bombs Syria. But uh, it's interesting what he sort of kept his eye really on. But, mm. you know, so he went around and he really campaigned to get that Emmy and, and never got that Emmy. And that's why a couple years later, whenever the Emmy Awards were telecast, he would go on Twitter and just trash the Emmys. Mm. You're listening to Innovation Hub. I'm Kara Miller, and I'm talking with Michael Schneider, executive editor of IndieWire and host of KCRW's podcast, The Spinoff. Um, just deeper into the bowels of Hollywood for a second, do you think that the Trump presidency has actually changed Hollywood at all? Is it something that people talk about? And I'm talking about behind the scenes. Before we go back in front of the scenes, behind the scenes now, is it something that you think is affecting anything? Yeah, I mean, I think a little bit uh, both psychologically, but also from a business perspective. I think in the weeks following the election, it did hit a lot of a lot of people hard, especially on the creative side, and it also impacted a lot of uh, actual TV shows and and movies, storylines that people were working on. Mm. Uh, I've talked to so many executive producers now who said that they obviously write ahead. So shows that are now airing in the spring were actually written last fall before the election. Mm. I think a lot of people wrote scripts with the assumption that Hillary mm. Clinton was going to be the president. So they wrote, uh, you know, some Hillary jokes in their scripts. They sort really? of wrote with a. They with wrote a, in with, the fall, like, here's a good May joke. 
something about Hillary Clinton being president. Like they would, you, know, you think that that, yeah, or even just references. There's okay. one show uh, on the Sci-Fi Network, for example. It's called The Magicians, and it takes place in this magical world of it that's called Fillory. Okay. So in the show, as they're writing it, they made a bunch of jokes about one character who is a, a female who has risen to power, and they kept referring to her as Fillory Clinton. Right. And apparently that appeared in their scripts throughout the season. Oh, you know, that's a running joke, and isn't that right. going to be funny right, when right. Hillary Clinton is president? Well, cut to Hillary Clinton's not president. So in post-production, they had to go back and erase, scrub a lot of those references Whoa. because now they, they, they feel really weird and outdated and, and strange right. to, to see right. this, you know, this spring. Do you worry at all that we could be headed towards a situation in which Hollywood execs think, you know, I'm going to do my programming by thinking about blue states and red states. So this show is going to be for the coast and this show is going to be for the heartland. And that in that way, uh, programming, television programming is going to get ever more polarized. Yeah, it's funny you should mention that because that was a concern I had when I did start hearing that some execs were saying, well, you know what, we got to start focusing on the red states. Let's start developing shows for them. And to me, it's that's not the answer to suddenly create shows that you think, oh, the red states will like. How about just doing really good broad shows that you think will get a large audience in general? Because, you know, Hollywood's idea of what a show that a red state audience might like isn't necessarily what a red state audience might actually like. Right. And then you're going to polarize the blue states. So mm-hmm. why why are we why are we thinking in terms of blue and red when we really should just be thinking about, OK, what's what's a good broad show like? The Walking Dead. That's an AMC show that is still one of the most popular shows in all of television. And that's a show that's a perfect example of it's not blue, it's not red. It's just a a show that appeals to the broad audiences for different reasons. You know, maybe red state audiences love a certain aspect of The Walking Dead and blue state audiences love another aspect, but you've got enough there for everyone. I wonder if you think that uh, the Trump presidency is going to have lasting effects on the things we've been talking about, on comedy, on Hollywood, on the business end of things, if this is, you know, something that is really shifting the industry somehow? Um, That's a good question. And I I wonder, you know, interestingly, I I find that I hear that a lot from reality producers who, Mm. you know, sort of feel a little more of a responsibility these days, perhaps, Mm. because one of their big stars actually managed to become president. Sure. They could be crafting the next president on Real Housewives of wherever. (laughs) Exactly. And anything's possible these days. Uh, You know, the the next president could be on Vanderpump Rules as we speak. Sure. So there's there's sort of that acknowledgement that, oh, you know, we we do wield some power, and that does... Uh, you know, how we portray people on television does have some impact. So we need to think about these things. You know, some people are thinking about that more than others. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, I think the the shock to the system is still a little too new. And, and people are still sort of adjusting to what does this all mean for the culture? What does this mean for society? What does this mean for comedy? What does this mean for entertainment? Uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, next couple of years. Mm-hmm. Michael Schneider is executive editor of IndieWire. He's former chief content officer for TV Guide, and he's host of KCRW's podcast, The Spinoff. Michael, thank you so much. Thank you. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by Xerox in four parts without commercial interruptions. The revolution will not show you pictures of Nixon blowing a bugle and leading a charge by John Mitchell, General Abrams, and Spiro Agnew. 
eat hog moths confiscated from a Harlem sanctuary. The revolution will not be televised. If you liked this interview, take a minute to leave us a review on iTunes. Leaving a review actually helps more people find their way to Innovation Hub. So think of it as spreading interesting ideas one review at a time.